again to the Woodside Student Ministry Podcast. This week, we'll be continuing in our Vineyard Initiative series. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org students. Jesus, thank you for this morning. And thank you for the opportunity to speak to my friends. I lift this message up to you. I'm excited about what you put on my heart to share, but I just shared it. So make it fresh for me. Make it fresh for us. Lord, use your scriptures. Use the power of preaching to speak to our hearts and minds, even my own. I pray that you would use this time to transform the way that we think about who you are and who you created us to be. I, I, I want every single heart and mind in this room to hear something personal and unique and supernatural this morning that we can own, that we can walk out this week. Everybody that wants that agrees by saying what? Amen. 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 Only like five of you agree with that? All right. So you guys might remember that I closed last week our kind of invitational fall kickoff message with a phrase that I know something true about every single one of you in this room and that that is you were not made to fit in but you were made to be extraordinary. You were made supernatural. God says that before you were born, when he was making you, that he planted eternity in your heart. So just as being alive today on this planet, you have something eternal, supernatural, that's alive inside of you. Something eternal was planted in you before you were born. And then when you put your faith in Jesus, when you say to him, I I believe you are who the Bible says you are. I believe you came and died on the cross for my sins so I could one day go to heaven, so that I could live a supernatural life. I, I believe that. When you pray something like that, God not only takes the eternal thing that was planted in you before you're born, but boom, he plants the Holy Spirit in you, the Spirit of God himself. If you have ever put your faith in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living in you. You are supernatural. You are you have everything you need to, to make a difference in this world, whether it be small in your home, although I wouldn't say that's very small, or international. But you have everything you need to be extraordinary, supernatural. The same spirit that's in you is the same spirit that was in David and Peter and Paul and Jesus himself. David, by the spirit of God, which lives and breathes in you, closed the mouths of lions, killed a giant with a rock, led his people to victory time and time again. Same spirit that was in him is in you. Peter, Peter, after Jesus was gone, you know, just the disciples on their own, wonder what do we do? Prayed for a guy that was dead and brought him back to life. The same spirit that was in Peter is the same spirit that's in you. Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote much of the New Testament. That dude had so much faith in God that people had faith in his faith. He shared his faith. And he would walk by people that were sick. And if his shadow fell across them or if his robe touched them, they believed so much in his faith in Jesus that they would be healed of leprosy and broken bones and illness and demonic possession just by walking by. The same spirit that was in him is the same spirit that's in you. We were made to be extraordinary, supernatural. Even my four-year-old boy knows with his limited understanding that he was made for greatness. Do we have a picture of Wyatt? I took this a few days ago. We got him this little cape. And the first thing, he just goes out and he's just like, I'm Superman. 
I'm super. I'm supernatural, Dad. Look at me. I want to make a difference. That spirit that's in my son, who turns four tomorrow, if you want some cake, there's some out there after we're done. Side note. The same spirit that's in him that just knows at four, I'm great, is in you. But we miss the mark, which is the definition of sin, to miss the mark, to miss the goal. We miss the mark by taking these supernatural gifts and talents and abilities and just knowing we are made to do something extraordinary, and we use them poorly. We use our gifts poorly. I'll give you an example, which is not, made to make, it's not meant to make anybody feel bad, but I just got to show the picture. So there's Jimmy Claxton, right? There's Jimmy. What? What's up, Jimmy? I just love that picture so much. Oh, never show your parents that photo. So there's Jimmy using his powers to just eat. How many, how many chicken nuggets did you eat that day? 63 chicken nuggets using his power for worldly, silly purposes, Jim James Claxton. That's just a fun example. But we do. We use our gifts. We use our talents. We use our abilities to do the extraordinary. And we, we, sometimes we use them poorly because we don't understand them. Or more to the point, we don't understand who we were created to be. So I want to show you guys a quick video clip. You guys might have seen this movie before, Hancock with Will Smith. So... This is like a 40-second clip, but it just really illustrates my point, and it's fun. So Hancock is this superhero. This is supernatural guy. He's got, he can fly. He's got superhuman strength, etc. But at some point, he just woke up from a coma, and he didn't know who he was, and he didn't know what his purpose was. He just knows I got these gifts and these powers, and he just doesn't know how to use them well. He doesn't know how to use them wisely. He wants to do the right thing, but he kind of stinks at it. So let's look at an example of Hancock using his powers poorly, not the way necessarily they were designed to be used. So go ahead and roll that 40 seconds. All right, how about this? This is Walter, the gray whale. Everybody remembers him, stuck on the beach, North Izuma. Along comes Hancock. Hancock! I don't even remember that. Greenpeace does. Walter does. So, it's super short. It's low quality. I totally stole it from the internet. But I love that clip because there's a guy who clearly has greatness in him, right? It's very evident that he's got some supernatural abilities. And he's just wanting to help out. You know, oh, there's Walter the whale. I'm going to help him out. The throw alone would kill that whale. But not only that, he takes out those sailors. They're, you know those guys are dead. He has something great inside of him, but he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand how to use it. And he, he doesn't know who he is. Um, that's true of all of us. We have greatness inside of us, but we, not, we don't always understand how to use it. We don't always understand what it's for. So, you guys, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've got this kind of idea for a whole sermon by itself, but I'm just using the premise today. But my favorite part of any superhero movie out there. What's some, what's some of your favorite superhero movies ever? Anybody got a favorite superhero movie? What do you got, Bean? Iron Man. Which one? The first one. That's right. That was the best one. Julie? Spider-Man. Which one? Andrew Garfield? I don't know about that. Kevin? Spider-Man 2? No, you're wrong. The Avengers 2? Pretty good. 
Guardians of the Galaxy, super awesome. I love that raccoon. What do you got, Liam? The Dark Knight. Very good, very good. So think of your favorite superhero movie, right? Think of the beginning, think of the middle, think of the end. My favorite part of any superhero movie is the origin story. It's the beginning, right? The end of any superhero movie is them just kicking butt and taking names and fighting and using their powers. And like the Avengers, I love the Avengers and I love just the grandeur of it. But man, a half an hour of action, I'm like, are we done yet? Can I go? My popcorn needs a refill. Like I'm just ready to walk out. But the origin story, the beginning, where they're learning who they are, who they were created to be, how to use their powers, when they're overcoming that obstacle in order to be the great thing that they were made to be, that's my favorite part of any superhero movie. Hancock did not realize who he was, what his powers were for, that he was built for greatness. He believed the wrong thing about himself, and that's why he didn't use his powers wisely. He believed that he was this sad, lonely, bitter, drunk loser. He just believed horrible things about himself, and it kept him from being awesome, from being a servant, from using his powers for good. And every single person that hears my voice right now, based on an argument or something you experienced or saw or heard said about yourself, every one of you believes something about yourself that's keeping you back, that's holding you down, and I guarantee is not true. And we want to empower you this semester the next eight weeks, to embrace the greatness that is in you now and act on it. And that's going to require some work on your part. You might have to revisit some tough stuff, but in order to say, Jesus, I don't want this. I shared in first service that my father and I had lots of fights growing up. And my father once called me stupid in the garage, and I just, it's my dad, and he just said it with such authority and force, and I just believed it. I just believed when he said that, I, I am stupid. Uh, am I stupid? No. But I, I embrace that. I own that for a good deal of my early childhood. Another time when I was in high school, I've shared this story before, but my dad called me wuss. But he said it in just the most passionate, powerful, um, just a moment of weakness for me. He just said it like a knife. Like I just, I felt that word enter me like a blade. And it stayed there for over a decade. And I just thought of myself as just not really a man, not really capable of being an adult because my father called me this horrible word, this cowardly word, and I believed it. And you have heard those things said about you maybe. Or if you've done something or failed to do something or whatever, you've made a mistake, which we all make, and you have embraced this thing that you think is true and it defines you and it doesn't. It's a lie from the enemy. That thing you think of in the middle of the night, that just that shame and the cold sweat, that is not true of you. That's the enemy right next to your bed saying, you are a loser. No one cares about you. You should just get rid of yourself. Those things are not true, and the longer you hang on to them, the more you will not be able to put your faith in action, to be the supernatural, extraordinary human being that you were made to be. So, Hancock, just like us, was made to be great. He just didn't know it. He didn't know how to do it. So I want 
to share my story of how that happened with me. I was asked to do something great, and I didn't know how, and I didn't believe I was good enough, right? There's a quote that I love which says, people, we're all people here, people don't tend to stumble into greatness. They need to be invited. We don't just one day go, oh, I'm awesome, I'm great, I'm super at this, period. No. We don't stumble into decisions like that. We don't stumble into behavior like that. We have to be called. We have to be asked. We have to be invited. So I was invited to do something greater than myself, to be something more than what I felt I was about eight years ago. Eight years ago, I was living in Brooks' parents' house. I had no job. I had no college degree. I kind of had a sense of my gifts and talents, but I didn't know how to use them. I was a Christian, but I didn't even know what that meant. Uh, I would refer to myself as a disciple. I didn't even know how to disciple. I didn't even know, have I ever been discipled? And maybe you can relate to some of that. But basically, I was just hanging out in life. I was just killing time until someone asked me, invited me to do something great. Um, We were living in California, and life was just kind of like, okay. And we knew God called us there. We didn't know why. And then out of nowhere, he called us to move back to the woodlands. And I was like, yes, because I missed this church, and I missed the woodlands, and I didn't like California. It was all private property. It's like beautiful, but don't touch, and I didn't care for it. And I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing in my life. And God said, go back to Texas. And I'm like, you bet. But I didn't know what to do. Like, I got I to gotta make a living. And Brooke had been supporting us in California because he's selling this hoity-toity, super nice art and making a great salary. But, like, I needed to support us when we got back here. What am I supposed to do, God? And God put a name on my mind. He put my buddy Jason on my mind. He's like, call Jason. I just felt like I was supposed to call Jason. So I called Jason. I'm like, Jason, we're moving back to Texas in about a week. And, you know, I mean, I I like photography and graphic design. I'm kind of good at it. Do you know anybody that's hiring a photographer or a graphic designer? Because when we get back there, I need to make a living. And he's like, you know, uh, maybe. You know, Jason knows a lot of people. Yeah, maybe I know somebody. But oddly enough, You're calling me, and five minutes ago, my last potential interview for a student uh, pastor position in Wood's Edge, this person just left my office, and they can't do the job. Would you like to apply for that? And I'm like, no. No, I would not. Work with teenagers? Are you kidding? No. No, I said, no, I don't think so, Jason, because... And I started listing off my excuses. I don't have a college degree. I, I don't know this book enough to, to teach people. Um, I, I can barely shepherd me and my wife. How can I shepherd a student minister? I started listing excuses why I wasn't good enough. I started talking about things that deep down were rooted in the fact that my, my dad didn't believe in me and that I you know, was never good enough. I just started talking about how much I didn't deserve it and how I wasn't capable of doing it. And Jason stopped me, and he goes, Buddy, I know you, and I think you can do this job, and I think before you say no, you should pray about it. So before I prayed about it, I called my wife, and I said, Hun, you know, Jason, just like, wow, he, he said that he wants to offer me a position as a student pastor. And I'm, I'm saying it, like, incredulously, like she's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, right, you can't do that. But no. As soon as I said it, Brooke was like, Honey, you were made to do, like, That's exactly who you are. That's not just your job. Like, that's you. You're totally supposed to do that job. You have to say yes. And I'm like, even with my wife, like, yeah, you can do it. I'm like, I don't know if you're, do you know who I am? Like, so I prayed about it. 
I went to the Lord like an hour later, and I just, with my Bible and faith, God, this is greater than me. Can I do this? This is bigger than me. Do you want this for me? That's what I asked. And I'm asking you to ask the same question of yourself and the Lord today. Right now in the quiet of your mind. God, did you make me for greatness? Is what Pastor Justin is saying really true? Did you make me to do something supernatural in this life? The scripture God led me to that answered that question is this. This scripture is just as true for every single one of you in this room as it was for me that day. Here's what it said. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. Just listen to me read it. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. And he said to me, in response to me saying, did you make me to do great things? You are my servant and you will bring me glory. Boom. But he didn't stop there. Isaiah slash me. I replied to him, right, with my excuses. I totally did in that moment. I replied, but my work, my life, everything I am, my work seems so useless up to now. I have spent all of my strength for nothing to no purpose. And that's how I felt about my life in that moment. It was so awesome that he led me to this passage. Isaiah related to how I felt. Maybe you can relate to how I felt. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose, yet I leave it all in the Lord's hands. I will trust God for my reward. I have faith that you know better than me, that you can do things that I can't. And now the Lord speaks. He responded to Isaiah. He responded to me. He's responding to your excuses. And he said, I have commissioned you to bring Israel, my church, back to me. The Lord has honored me. He has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to, Gentile, to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Those are God's words for every single one of you that are questioning, do I matter? Do I have a purpose? Am I good enough? You don't have to be good enough. God just said, he'll give you strength. He will help you. We were made to be extraordinary, the light of the world, world changers. The disciples of Jesus that changed the world within just a few years of him discipling them were your age. Not your parents' age, not your grandparents' age. They were you. There are no excuses that should hold you back from believing that you were made to be the light of the world, extraordinary world changers, government changers. God has been saying to you since before you were born what he said to me. I took the last part of that scripture and I put it in a different tense. This is what it has to say to you right now. The Lord speaks, the one who formed you in your mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned you to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored you and your God has given you strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. God is saying to you today, you were made for this. You were made to make a difference in your home, in your school, your friendships, in the world. Just believe it. Just mustard seed type faith is all I'm looking for. This much. If you're willing to believe it this much, you got all that you need. 
You were made to be great, but here's the question today. Are you ready to learn how to embrace that, to be great? Hancock, halfway through the film, realizes, okay, I, I was made to do something good with my power. But he didn't just become great. You gotta learn, it's a process. You need to be trained. Joe and I taught on 2 Timothy two summers ago, and there's a verse in there that I love. It's Paul talking to Timothy. It's a pastor talking to a student, and he says this, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Jesus Christ. God, all through the Bible, has given us multiple patterns of wholesome teaching, ways, models of discipleship. You can look all through the Bible. There's different ways to learn how to be a disciple. The pattern, the model of discipleship that he's given us comes from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. When I ask the Lord, how do you make disciples? I don't know how to make a disciple. I know how to talk about the Bible. I know how to pray. How do you make a disciple? And he leads me to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. I'm going to read it to you, and maybe it'll make about as much sense to you as it did to me the first time I read it. Lord, how do you make disciples? He leads me in Isaiah 5. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, he cleared its stones, and then he planted it with the best vines. And in the middle, he built a watchtower, and he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. And then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. There you go, Justin. That's how you make disciples. What? I'm supposed to be a farmer? Do I have to get a hat and, like, the straw? Is there a tractor involved? What does that even mean, God? And he's like, Justin, pray about this. Research this. Look up the old Hebrew for what these words mean. So I started researching this scripture, these simple little lines. And the more I dug into it, the more I saw this is not just a picture of discipleship. Like, this is the picture of how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because there's some cool things about this passage. For instance, my beloved had a vineyard. This is the first time in all of scripture, and Isaiah is pretty deep into scripture in the Old Testament, the first time that he refers to his people as a vineyard. So if we're the vineyard, and my beloved is God, he's given us a rich and fertile hill. He's given us everything that we need to flourish, which is this church, which is your home, which is your life. He's given you everything you need. You are lacking nothing that you need to be God's disciple. And then he goes through and he lists these six action steps. There's really seven in there that you need to do in order to be an effective disciple. You do not need to do these things in order to be saved. That just comes by faith. But if you want to be effective in leading other people to Jesus, you need to do these things. And they're for your good. The first thing you need to do is just receive. Learn what it means to receive God's love for you. The greatest commandment is love God and love others. How can you love God and love others if you yourself don't know how much God loves you? I know God loves me. I know he loves me more than I can imagine, and I still have no idea how much he loves me. He loves you on your darkest day in the midst of acting on your worst sin. He's like, you're my kid, and I, I love you. My son is strong. My son is going to be way stronger than his dad ever was. He's just built like a little brick house, but he doesn't know how to use his strength, and I'll be holding him, and he'll just be like, Dad! Boom! And he just hits me in my face with his big melon. And I'm just like, you don't know how to use your strength, but he's so strong. But I need to train him as his father how to use those powers for good. And he needs to understand, no matter what, even when he hits me in the face, I don't know what's going on with this thing. 
even when he hits me in the face with his big brain skull and makes me bleed, I'm like, I love you, buddy. Like, good job, you know? And that's God. You could scream at him in heaven and be like, why? I hate you. And he's just like, I love you so much. You need to learn what it means to receive God's love so that you can do these other things. He protected the land. The first thing you do is receive, but then when you receive that blessing, what do you got to do? You got to protect it or the enemy will snatch it or you might lose it. If you're given a vineyard, no. If you're given a Lamborghini, right? Here you go, boom, here's a Lamborghini or what, you know, your car of choice. You're going to put an alarm on that sucker? You got to protect it. You're going to put that in the garage? You're just going to leave it out in the street with the keys in it and the engine running? No. You protect things of value. And your life is valuable. And your faith in Jesus is valuable. You need to learn how to protect it. The next thing, cleared its stones. You can't have a vineyard and expect it to produce fruit if the ground is full of rocks and junk. You got to learn how to get that stuff out of there. And that goes back to what I was saying. I believe some wrong things about myself. I needed to remove those stones that were weighing down my heart, that were holding me back. I need to realize that I am forgiven for those sins that I've been used as an excuse. You need to learn what it means to plant the best vines in your vineyard. If you get a vineyard, you're not going to plant just like garbage weeds. You want to plant the best that there is available. And the best vines in this passage, it's talking about the Word of God. The Word of God is the best possible seed, the best possible vine that you can plant. And if you learn how to take a scripture that just speaks to you and plant it in your heart or memorize it or act on it, you're going to produce fruit. In the middle, he built a watchtower. What does that mean? You need to build up your faith. A lot of you guys lately, I love this. It's just so awesome that I love it. Stop it. Jesus. A lot of you guys have been taking your faith, even if it's small, and you've been going to the Woodlands Mall and just walking up to people and saying, can I pray? That would, that's what it means to build your faith. You're taking your little faith like, God, I hope. I think even one of the students said to me, we started this and we, just, we, we hoped that a couple people would say yes when we asked them if we could pray. And then we found out that when they said no, we were like, are you sure? Because everybody says yes. You need to build your faith by taking some steps, by going a little deeper, trying a little harder, not being afraid. Build your faith like a watchtower that you can stand on. He carved a wine press. Well, what good is having a vineyard that produces grapes if you don't do something with them? You've got gifts and talents and spiritual gifts, which are literally supernatural abilities. Some of you have a gift of prayer, and you can heal people if you believed and prayed. You feel led sometimes to pray for somebody. Pray for them. Use your faith. Use your gifts. Take the fruit God has given you by being his son or his daughter and use it. God has given some of you gifts just to support yourself when you grow up. Gifts like you're great at math or you're going to be an incredible archaeologist or you can jump really high. I don't know. It worked for J.J. Watt. But still, use your gifts. And then waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. That one right there. You need to learn patience. We need to learn patience. You need to learn that even though you have a great idea and you're ready to just go gung-ho, stop and ask the Lord, am I supposed to do this? Is this what you want? You need to be, learn how to consult with the Lord constantly on all your decisions. Anybody going to college next year? You're looking at schools already? You thinking about it? Are you praying about it? 
Because you might get accepted to Harvard, but what if God wants you to go to Montgomery College? That's probably not going to happen. But what if he does? What if he does? Are you consulting the Lord? Be cheaper. All right. That's the Vineyard Initiative. That is what we are going to be talking about for the next seven weeks. So next week, you got to know what it means to receive God's blessing, salvation, forgiveness, whatever. So next week, we're just going to talk about that one thing for the morning. It's going to be a great message. Come. And then the next week, we're going to talk about what it means to protect yourself, set boundaries, have a healthy relationship with the Lord and your friends. And the next week, we're going to talk about what it means to remove stones. Oh, you guys, that's so important. You need to know how to get rid of spiritual junk in your heart. You, it's, it's, let us train you. I, I just implore you, make the seven weeks a priority at church. We've got good stuff to teach you. You're going to walk out of here in seven weeks. If you apply these things, if you learn to put your faith in action, you're going to walk out of here different. You're going to walk out of here strong. I'm going to invite the band up here. We're going to go ahead and wrap up our service. I got an awesome quote here that I love from a movie that is not super, like, Christian, so I'm just not even going to say what the movie was. But the quote is great. And I'm going to close with that. But I want to read it well, so I'm going to drink a little sip of water. So, as you guys know, we built this series kind of around a superhero motif, even though we're talking about agriculture, because we can Agriculture, I said it. It's a real word. Okay, here's the quote. Listen to this. I love this. As you know, I'm quite keen on comic books, especially the ones about superheroes. I find the whole mythology surrounding superheroes fascinating. Take my favorite superhero, Superman. Not a great comic book, not particularly well drawn, but the mythology... The mythology is not only great, but it's unique. A staple, a constant of the superhero mythology is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man in reality is Peter Parker. When that character wakes up in the morning, He's not Spider-Man, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it's in that characteristic that Superman stands alone. Superman did not become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. not me, right? I'm going to pretend it's not me. Superman's outfit with the big red S, that's the blanket that he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears in order to blend in. You want to know what's stopping you guys from greatness? The same thing that was stopping me. We choose to be less than. We choose to be common. We choose to believe the ugly thing about ourselves instead of the great things about ourselves. The Old Testament definition of defilement 
the, Israel, the Israelites defiled themselves. The temple was defiled. The Old Testament definition of the word defilement literally means to be common. You were not made to be common. You were not made to fit in. You were made to be extraordinary, supernatural world changers. Believe that about yourselves. Embrace that. Say yes to letting us train you how to do that. This semester, we are inviting you to take off your costume and be who God made you to be. And you guys, you need it for you, but the world, think about what's in the news lately and all that's going on. The world needs you to be great, to stand up and say, I will try this. So try it, give us some time. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast. Do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org students or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash woodsedgestudents.